This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, Tammy Trent, welcome to the Courage Cast. Thank you so much. I have been looking forward to having you on um, for a while. Actually, I've been trying to get you on since like before the end of the year. Wow. And okay. You're just a busy lady. Wow. Well, not too busy for you. I'm glad this worked out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Tammy, where should we start? Uh, I, let's just pretend that people don't know anything about you. Okay. Uh, you are obviously a phenomenal singer and performer. Mm. Uh, and dancer. A Probably bit. a better dancer than singer. Really? Would you call yourself a dancer first? Oh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I feel, yeah. When I talk about being a singer, it's I, I never really have ever felt like I have some great gift of the vocal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you travel and tour with people like Natalie Grant, you certainly feel like that. You know, <laughs> she can sing the wallpaper off of the wall. But yeah. then I also tell her, but you can't dance like me. So I, <laughs> there's an even little score here. But yeah, you know, I've loved to dance since I was a kid. So it's it's definitely a huge part of my music. Um, but I think even beyond my music, it's just a huge part of my heart. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge part of, I think, even so many seasons for me throughout my life where it has helped me come back to life, mm-hmm. where it's just been movement in my life, some sort of movement. And now at this place in my life, I can look back and see that that was a gift that God gave me, not just something I love to do and taught myself to do, but it was a gift that God gave me, and it was going to be instrumental in in a specific season in my life that would help me move forward. So let's go way back, actually, because I just was reminded uh, about that you grew up in Grand Rapids area, yes. Michigan. Yep. My wife grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <gasps> Did I remember that? I well, don't know. You're gonna, re- you might remember this. Okay. You beat her in a singing competition <laughs> back uh, back in the teenage years. You were a little older, maybe a few years older. I'm not sure. Maybe two or three. Okay. But you did beat her in a singing competition. And I wish she was here because wow. she could remind us all. Yes. She has, a, she has like a memory of steel. Nothing Does leaves she? her mind. She'd and probably remember the songs we sang and everything. I maybe. wonder. Oh, my I gosh. I don't know. But you won. So oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Sorry about that, Chrissy. <laughs> Do you know what those could have been? Those singing I don't know, but it's funny that you say that. There were so many in Grand Rapids growing up. And, you know, I had a dream of singing since I was a kid. So I just got involved and plugged into every opportunity mm-hmm. that came my way. So there were tons at the little malls around Grand yeah, Rapids. And the they malls. were embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and I always went, you know, to like some family Christian store or Lifeway yeah. at the Back time. Back then, family Christian was big. That was the one. That's, that's exactly mm-hmm. Exactly right, and, and there would, was Zondervan's. It was yeah, it was actually Zondervan Family Christian Store, uh-huh. and that was the first job I ever had in Grand Rapids was working at Zondervan. Really? Yes, and I would sit there in the music section, and I would listen to all those performance oh, tapes yeah. and think, when is my next performance going to be, and what <laughs> song am I going to sing? So who knows? I probably sang "Stubborn Love" by Kathy Tricoli or uh-huh. some Rust Half Metals track, or so, who knows mm-hmm. what. But I do yeah, remember who were those. Who you into? Who were you? Really Amy into? Grant. Of course. Amy Grant. Hands down, mm-hmm. Amy Grant. And it's still Amy Grant today, all these years later. I still wig out when I see her. I'm a total nerd. I am super stupid and embarrassing. (laughs) And I stare deep into her soul. (laughs) Are you friends with her? Would you call yourself friends with Amy? 
Oh, I would love to. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably more acquaintances. You know, like she knows my name. So okay. that's really exciting. Step. <laughs> yes. But I think she avoids me. <laughs> <laughs> she says, stalker. Yes. So there's a thin line here. <laughs> but right. No, but we've, you know, we've actually had the chance to share the same platform like at Women of Faith before mm-hmm. and sit next to each other before, you know, our time is is up to go up on the platform. And mm-hmm. so we've shared the stage and it's it's very fun. And, and I've got to go to a few different cool things. Like even this past December, I was at a rehearsal, Christmas rehearsal that she was doing, Michael W. Smith. Mm-hmm. And so I got to hang out there at the rehearsal and, and we chatted. And I always mm-hmm. get all funny when she talks. Like, yeah. la, 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 la. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. And I always walk away going, gosh, I, I could have done something better. I could have said something <laughs> more intelligent. But I love her. She's an amazing person and yeah. she's impacted my life huge. And I think that's why I just get so nervous around her still because it's she was a huge huge impact into the life of this little nine-year-old girl when I was introduced to Christian music. Mm -hmm. Did your parents let you listen to anything else? No, it really was a home that was definitely Christian-based as far as like, you know, plug into Christian music. We want you to be surrounded with that. And almost felt like if I had listened to secular, it was like a bad thing. It was a no-no. It was a sin. And so I had to sneak that if I was in the car and listen to it (laughs) from time to time and pretend I didn't know the lyrics. Oh, what's that? No, later in life. Yeah, now I'm a teenager. I don't know that song, Mom. How do you know every lyric? (laughs) But yeah, I was really into Christian music, though, and I was drawn to it. It didn't feel like, oh, I was, you know, it was a chore that I had to listen to it. I loved it. It really, I think, was a big part of my relationship with Jesus and learning about the things of God and growing up in the things of God through uh, the lyrics of those songs. It was a special time, too. The the kind of music, I mean, it was, what, mid to late 80s? Totally, yeah. You know, and yeah. the, the kind of music that was, it was just all so, like, well, fully instrumented and, and just, like, I don't know. I've, I'm always drawn to that. You could actually understand the lyrics. And, yes. And it wasn't, it was just, I don't know. It was just a special time of music. I, I didn't grow up listening at that time. I didn't start listening to Christian music until I got saved at 23. So it was like 94 oh, okay. or something okay. like that is when I started listening. Wow. And it was like still awesome. Totally. But it was kind of sounded almost like the late 80s anyway, because yeah. we were always a little <laughs> yeah. bit behind. Yes, exactly. But uh, but Michael W. Smith is the one that, uh, Michael and Amy probably are the ones that still make me really nervous, because I listened to them before I was a Christian, and they were the ones that kind of drew me t- to Christianity. They made wow. it actually somewhat somewhat cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, they were the ones breaking into pop radio at the time. Yeah. Find a way, Amy Rents, find a way, yeah. Michael's tracks too. It just, yeah, mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you um, you've got that background there, yeah. um, and uh, you decide. So what? How did you get from you know Grand Rapids singing to what was your big break to get you to Nashville? Or? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, I had a lot of great friends in Nashville. One of them uh, was Pam Thumb at the time, my best friend, who was on Benson mm-hmm. Records and had a record out at the time, was doing really great up for a Dove Award, like New Artist of the Year, yeah. all that jazz, if you remember. And so I hung out with her a bunch and kind of toured a little bit with her, did some background stuff, just continued to meet people and ended up meeting this guy named John Mandeville that was just mm. a great songwriter oh, okay. in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we became friends. And then I just said, man, what would you charge me? 
to do like a three song demo tape. At mm-hmm. that time, that was the thing that really got your foot in the door. You had to have some kind of demo tape or something to uh, represent yourself. So John said, "Look, I'll do it for this and come to Nashville and let's let's do this thing." And so I did three tracks with John, and it kind of gained a little bit of interest. At the time, I was young, and, and there was a little bit of talk, but nothing really came of it that was solid. So I met this other guy named Ted T out of mm. Minneapolis, who was doing a lot of stuff in Nashville at the time as well. Mm-hmm and some big records. And I said, hey, what would you charge me to do uh, a few songs and then take these three that I had done a few years ago and redo them? He said, okay, here's what we'll do. So I did a six-song project with Ted and ended up calling a bunch of record companies, sent it to them, called them out to come see me in Grand Rapids. A few flew out. Reunion Records was one at the Mm. time and a few other ones. And we started to talk. And I ended up getting a record deal with uh, a large independent company called REX Music yes. at the time. And I, I chose them because they were the one label that said, we don't want to change anything. You're, act- you're actually everything we're looking for right now. You love pop music. I had come f- kind of from the era of Madonna, Janet Jackson. And so my songs at the time kind of had a little hint of that. And I like to dance. So uh-huh. it all lined up perfect. And I love the fact that they just said, we don't want to change anything. We love it. So let's take your six songs that you did. Uh, they're ready to go on a record. And let's finish this record, throw four more on and be done with it. And I was like, oh. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So I signed my first deal there, and it was all appealing to me. And uh, we released my record a few months after that when we were finished. And six weeks later, I had my very first number one hit on radio. Which song was that? Your Love Is For Always. Mm. Hit radio in six weeks. Christian hit radio across the country. and That's incredible. It it was incredible for me. And it was was a time where I just kind of felt like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It was just sort of that nod I felt like from Jesus saying, you're right where I want you to be. You were made for this. Mm -hmm. And musically, all that I was trying to accomplish at that time and my stylistic love of music, it just, I was right where I wanted to be. So Mm -hmm. I just kept growing. And uh, from that album, I had some great success, a few other top tens. I went on to do a second record. With R.E.X.? Yes. And then they had another label called Light Records Mm -hmm. at the time. And I kind of merged over into that that sister album. And that was when the greatest success really happened for me, because now adult contemporary radio started to play songs like Welcome Home. And it became a huge signature hit for me, opened up so many tremendous doors that I ended up getting a phone call from Sparrow Records after that record saying, hey, we are it's really time. interested. Yes. And that door opened up. I did a record with them. And probably eight weeks after the first single was released, that hit number one on all the different mm-hmm. genres of, of radio. And that was my irreplaceable. So, and that was what, 2000? It was. It was like 99. It was about when I did the record, came out in 2000. And yeah. I remember getting a call. My husband and I were on our way to Hawaii to do some events and then just vacation. And I got the call. Your your song just went number one. And I just cried in the airport. And I think they thought I was a loony. But it <laughs> meant so much to me. That stuff I have never taken for granted. It still hits me so deep inside. And um, I just felt really, really grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I- were you the type? Did you have a subscription to CCM magazine? I totally did. Before, I, yes, and I think I still have magazines. You now. and Chrissy lived like <laughs> similar lives yet separately. I mean, it was what is it? It's just I so know. funny. It's a whole cultural thing. Totally. And I bet you love GMA Week. I did. Was... I did. I went before I was even an artist and yeah. tried to meet people and connect mm-hmm. and network. And <laughs> I think that's why Amy still looks at me and says, "I remember you from." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. She kind of gives that look like you're a little bit crazy. Kind of like I'm yes. not sure what to think of you, but I know. You know, from a distance, I'll say hi. Yeah, I've seen you around for years, and I actually can't believe you made it. You actually got a record deal. <laughs> you are the persistence pays yes, off totally. storyline. Yes. Yeah, but that's true. It, it really is what it takes. Totally. It's rare that you just get handed something. Absolutely. So are. you, one of the things I I always admired about you from a distance because I didn't know you. Until after uh, what happened to Trent and mm. the rest of the story, which we'll get mm. into. But I didn't know you, but I knew that you were a hard worker. Mm. I knew that like whenever you kind of walked through the international area, people would point and say, you know, you were just like <laughs> hobnobbing with every single person as you walked through, you know, and, and, mm. and it was just like I could tell that you knew how to work mm. hard. Mm. So... Tell me about your work ethic. Gosh. Well, you know, it, first of all, it was genuine. And I think caring about people was genuine. And building relationship was real to me. I knew the value of that. And um, so I think every opportunity that I felt God was giving me, I just, I ran with it. And I... Where did you get that, though? I don't know. You know, I, I grew up uh, playing basketball in sports my whole life. And I was a really hard worker at sports and, and excelled and did really well. And I just I, I just think I've always been that kind of kid. You know, I was a kid that loved cleaning my room. Oh. I cleaned my sister's room for Can her. Can you be my daughter? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I would clean her room and organize everything and just say, no, you've got to leave it like this. And <laughs> and here's your clothes. There's your dark shirts and your white shirts. Wow. And, yeah. I mean, I was crazy like that. So I've always been a kid that just... I went after things. And when I had a dream, I just went after it. When I had a goal, I chased after it. And when people told me no, I kept pushing down the door. So I think, you know, I chased after this dream of music. And then when it was presented to me, I didn't just say, cool, I made it. I'm done. I said, no, there's more. I've got to keep working. And so I definitely was a girl that just felt like it's not going to be handed to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to fight for this. And I'm going to have to somewhat prove probably to people that I do have it in me, that God has called me. Because I was always the underdog kid in the industry too. Mm-hmm. I was always the girl that, you know, that landed a deal but didn't get the music video, that didn't get all the money <laughs> behind her. You know, all my friends did. And I'm like, I love you and I hate you. <laughs> but so I had to work extra hard and I always felt like I had to to prove something. And man, what a great season to be in my life now where I just have no agenda and don't have to prove one thing mm. at all. But I was younger then and just definitely felt like I I had to work hard. Mm-hmm. And it just, I think it was instilled in me and it was born in me, maybe from my parents um, that said, just, you know, work for what you want. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to be handed to you. God's given you some great things in front of you, but you also have to pick up some of the tools and, and sharpen you know, plow them and, through. And, yes. and learn how to, how to work. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you took that. Um, yeah, because th- that's an interesting concept right there. So you, you saw all these other artists, you know, Twyla Paris was probably getting all the uh, music. No, she was before you. Zoe probably. girl. Zoe girl. <laughs> My good friend Zoe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Zoe girl was getting the videos. Yes. You didn't get a video? No, ever? I didn't. No, I never did. And that was one thing when I was on my way to Hawaii, when I got the number one hit, I cried because I thought, maybe now I'll get a video. <laughs> <laughs> did you just like the idea of being, get, putting the makeup on and putting the dresses on? Oh, and I just hate doing- that. No, you hate that? Oh, I'm such a tomboy, Erica. So I kind of, oh. But what was it about the music video that you were excited about? Well, I I hate it when you say, do you like the idea of putting on the makeup and doing, I hate that part. But once it's on, the makeup's there. Yes. Mm -hmm. When the makeup's there and the clothes are there and you look in the camera and you're just like, oh, it just, I come alive. Then I come, Mm -hmm. yes, I come Mm -hmm. alive. And there is something about those videos. And I have had an opportunity. I did one video um, 
that was done in film, shot in film, mm-hmm. and it was of Welcome Home. Oh, okay. And that was way back, I think we shot that, I want to say in year 1998, and it's mm-hmm. still a classic timeless video today, probably because it was shot in film. Yeah. But it was the only one I really had at that time in my life. And then I ended up uh, shooting my own video with a company here in in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, to the song "At the Foot of the Cross," mm-hmm. and that was special for me. You know, I kind of I also had gone through different seasons too, and I got to a certain place where I now own my own record company, brought everything in house through the years, and um, I've done the last three albums on my own through my own record company, September Day Records. And so, because I own my own uh, uh, company, you know, it's like, well, I'm the only one's going to pay for this music mm-hmm. video if you want one, <laughs> and I wanted. One so right, yeah, right. we shot at the foot of the cross, and it was just it was a special song for me, a worship song, and uh, really pivotal timing for me. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've I those things are all I know important this side of heaven. I know I can't take on my awards or any of that to heaven with me, but they sure kind of validate some things I've walked through my whole life. When I think of a kid when I was just plowing and working and yeah. trying to convince people, now to be able to say in my life like, look at God, what you've done because I also fought for it. Mm-hmm. I fought for the call that you placed on my life. Um, And yet at the same time, I could sit with you here today and say, but that call turned out to be something I had no idea Mm -hmm. it would be. Yeah. Very different than I thought it was ever going to be. All right. Well, let's talk about what what was different than you thought it was going to be. And Mm -hmm. that was um, that September day. Yes. Of which that September Day Records is yes. titled after, right? Yep. So um, I know you've probably told this a thousand times, mm. but um, just share with me mm. um, how your life changed course. I will. Uh, probably shared more than a thousand, but it never gets old. I think there's a there's a new moment in every opportunity I have to share it. But, you know, basically, I met this kid in my youth group when I was 15 years old. When I was 16, I was allowed to date him. And uh, we started dating, dated for seven and a half years. They were such fun, great years of my life. He was such a cool kid. Love God huge. He was new to faith. So there's a lot of great adventurous things about his life. And and I feel like I had learned more about my relationship with Jesus because of him. He was a good kid. Um, he was authentic in his faith. Um, he was completely um, pure in my love and the love he had for me, which was unusual at that age. Yeah, you uh, don't hear about that. Oh my gosh. these days. Totally. But he would tell me things like he wanted to protect our relationship and he'd mm-hmm. talk about God having plans. And I was thinking, how old are you talking so mature? You're like <laughs> 16 years old. Get over here and kiss my face, you know? <laughs> Stop talking about that. But I loved it. At the same time, I was a girl that just loved it and I was drawn into that. And I, I left for Bible college and came back and decided after seven and a half years, like, I am ready to marry my best friend. This Mm -hmm. guy is totally my soulmate. I adore him, and I I feel lost without him. And so we got married in the same church where we had met seven and a half years prior, and everything I experienced in my dating relationship now just overflowed into my marriage. I felt truly blessed and really lucky to have such a covering in my life. And he was the guy, I tell, I tell this to girls all the time on a platform, you know, he was the guy that spoke life into my spirit. I felt alive. He was the guy that that always had something great to say, something positive. Um, I was the forgive me girl in the mm. relationship where I felt like there were definitely times I said things in regret, did things in regret, um, unthoughtful, not caring, um, just because I knew he was always going to be there. Mm. I knew he could handle it, and and I felt safe probably in doing that, but it, it didn't make it right all the time. And so I was always a girl that went crawling back saying, man, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did that or said that, and would you please forgive me? I'm so sorry. And he'd always say, 
I will always forgive you. I love you. I want what's best for you. You know, I want you to be free from this stuff, Tammy. I don't want you to be stressful. Give me this stuff in your life that's stressing you out so that you can be free to be who God wants you to be. That's Mm -hmm. who God has called me to be in your life. And those were things I just took for granted. I never thought I would live a day without that kind of covering in my life. Um, So he just, he was a guy that taught me so much about forgiveness and and the love of Jesus in that as well. And so we were married for about 11 years and started traveling together. Before before you talk about that... um... You were married for 11 years, so he was part of your career. Totally. And he was, really, you guys were a team. We were. We were. I asked him if he Mm -hmm. would come on the road with me and travel Mm -hmm. with me full-time in ministry, leave his family business in Michigan and and travel. Uh, Well, he worked in... in, Gosh, what a forestry, oh. um, wood working stuff, fire retardant things, some really interesting, all with wood, crazy wood stuff. And okay. they also had a tree, Christmas tree farm in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Everybody has a Christmas right? tree farm in Michigan. <laughs> exactly. Everybody. <laughs> There's one around yes, every corner. Exactly. It's true, though. It really it, is. It, it is. Theirs was awesome, man. They mm-hmm. had bonfires what was and hot theirs chocolate. Lindering Family Christmas tree. It's still there. It's okay. still massive and blooming today in Belmont, Michigan. All right. Yeah, it's cool. So, but he left all of that. And I was like, babe, like, you could come on the road with me and, and we could be together 24 hours a day. <laughs> Doesn't this sound amazing? And he's like, wait a second, 24 hours, just you and just me. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, let me pray about that. And so he did. And, and, you know, we had no doubt that this is what God called us to do, ministry full-time together. We loved people. We loved serving people. We, we loved it all. And somehow we made it work. So he started to manage me, started to travel with me, of course, running sound, running merch, running all the legal he just stuff. I mean, just did everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did. And, you know, he had a business background too in college. So he just, he was just a smart guy. And there we were traveling the world in ministry together, you know, walking into our, um, just past our 11th wedding anniversary and had that record with Sparrow that had come out and the number one hit and all kinds of great things were going on in tours and kind of just wondering what's next. You know, I was in that season of wondering, you know, what does God have next? Is it, you know, is it more records? Is it mission field? Is it writing books, touring, or is it coming off the road and starting a family, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember being on a plane with Trent a couple of weeks before we were supposed to go on this mission trip to Jamaica. And I said, babe, what do you think about, you know, starting a family? You're such a good guy. I mean, you love kids. You go to these schools and you talk about these goofy scientific things and they love you. You're this weird scientist guy and you've, you're writing these children's books and, you know, helping to potty train our nephews and doing some <laughs> weird stuff. I mean, you're just crazy, dude. If anyone wants to know, there is a great book out that you finished, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, I you, did. You pub- had it published. I did, yes. Uh, called... The Log Family. The Log Family. And I have no idea what the, That's why I thought his family was like a plumbing business. <laughs> but um, it's the Log Family, and I, uh, which is? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about logs. Well, uh, you know, I think, well, gosh, this is written from a guy's perspective. So maybe you need to tell me. What is a log when you go to the toilet and you drop a log? <laughs> I don't know. There you go. <laughs> there it yeah, is. That's all you need to say. That's it. That's, it's teaching you about... Yeah. Uh, toilet hygiene and the the understanding where they go it's when they amazing. get when they f- get flushed down. Totally, yeah. it's hilarious. That, yeah. I can't honestly when I'm doing especially my women's conferences, mm-hmm. I can't keep that book on my table. <laughs> they don't want learning to breathe again or beyond the sorrow. They want where's the log family? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it's great. It's awesome. Okay, so he he told that story. Yes, to his nephews. Yeah, and, and yeah. So, so you wrote a book. That's yeah, awesome. all these crazy things he was doing. In other yeah. words, he just loved kids. He loved pouring into kids lives. Yeah. So that's where he was. And I remember being on that plane just saying, what do you think about starting a family? Mm-hmm. Because you love all of this stuff. And he said, well, 
I have been waiting for you. I've been ready, but I've wanted you to feel like you were ready. But he's like, I don't know about you, but I think we should get started right away. And of course, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, babe, we're on a plane. But as soon as we get home, we'll knock this thing out. And, you know, we went home and added maternity to our insurance thinking maybe this is that next season. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I really felt like God was up to something, like something was about to change and turn. I just mm-hmm. didn't have any idea what it was at that time. Yeah. And so uh, you were invited to go on a mission trip yep. in, to Jamaica. Yep, that's right. And uh, kind of tell that from there. Yeah, you know, I mean, we got the call to, to go over with a radio station and uh, and just kind of observe what was going around uh, these certain communities in Jamaica and building some homes for them and water wells. And so I said, man, let's go. It's a free trip. Let's do it. But let's go like a week before we'll vacation on one side of the island and just us. And it was a time that was important to us. It was pivotal. It was time just to sort of get away from everything. No computers, no cell phones, just us. And I think we just wanted some time to just say, God, really, what's next? And so we did that for a week, had a great week together, and then we had one day off in between to travel from that side of the island to the other. And Trent said, babe, as we travel, there's a multitude of things we can do. What do you want to do? And I said, well... If I know you, like I know you've probably made a list of things, so show me your list. And he pulled out this list, and of course he had like 10 or 20 things on this list. But at the top of the list, it said the Blue Lagoon. I said, well, tell me about the Blue Lagoon. He said, it's this great place. And he was always super expressive because he wanted you to be as, as excited as he was. You know, <laughs> So it's like, oh my gosh, it's this great place. And there is, it's a lagoon. We can have lunch there on the side of the water. And there's a hole that goes down in the middle of the lagoon about 150 feet deep. And I want to explore that. I want to dive that. And I said, well, Trent, you sound like that's really what you want to do. So let's do it. And he said, Mm -hmm. oh, that'll be awesome. And then we'll go do something that you want to do when I'm done. And Mm -hmm. I said, perfect. So we headed there. We had lunch on the edge of the water. And then Trent suited up. And he said, I'm going to be gone for 15 minutes. That's it. That's just, what he does, though. He, yes, he's done that a lot. Totally. Since it's he was free 12. Diving. This was free diving that day. He, he'd he's been a, a certified, yeah, mm-hmm. he'd been a certified diver since the age of 12. Okay. So he'd been doing it, you know, my whole life knowing him. And I was never afraid of Trump being in the water. But he had just been practicing the art of free diving. Mm-hmm. And that's when you hold your breath, you go in the water without oxygen, without tanks. Mm-hmm. You hold his breath. He could hold his breath up to about five minutes underwater. Wow. It was brilliant. He was so. So, so good at that. So that's what he was doing that afternoon. Yeah, he wanted to explore in the Blue Lagoon, in that hole. He had his underwater scooter with him. And he said, just give me 15 great minutes and I will be back. 150 feet? 150 feet. Can you, like, I think my lungs would... I, uh, right? Whatever, implode. Yes, right? Probably if we and I dove... I mean, I can't even dive to the bottom of my pool without my ears, <laughs> yeah, you know? seriously. Right? And I'm like doing the whole head <laughs> right, thing when right. I get out for oh, 20 minutes. Right. Oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I think, obviously, that just comes with, you know, like, practice. he was a guy that, yeah, practiced, mm-hmm. and, he, and he practiced every night in the bathtub. For real. <laughs> for real. He's like, babe, time me. Here I go under, and I'm like, seriously? I'm like, D- taking off my makeup. He's still underwater. I'm brushing my teeth. He's still under, <laughs> under the water in the bathtub. Totally. <laughs> So I'd time him to come back up. But he was like an otter. He just like, it, it really was a form. He had yeah. books on it and videos and just the way he would just kind of smoothly go into the water and just gently come back up. And it was all about your breathing and mm-hmm. your thinking so many things. I mean, yeah. he was just so good at control. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he we finished lunch and he he got into the water. And halfway between that dock and that hole where he was about to dive, he lifted up his head out of the water and he waved goodbye to me like mm-hmm. like he'd done so many times. That was kind of our thing when we'd be walking in the airport and around a corner, he'd peek back and just wave and mm-hmm. I'd wave. And it was another one of those moments that we had done a million times before, only 
I had no idea at that moment that that would be the last time I would ever see him again. Mm -hmm. He just sunk beneath the surface and he was gone. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there on the edge of the water, um, finishing my lunch and 15 minutes had gone by, no big deal, but 15 turned into 30 and then into 45 and into an hour. And I thought, you know, like, did you think you might've missed him coming up for air if he only has five minutes? No, I, you know, I just, I think the 15 minutes I was, I was eating lunch and just kind of watching some other swimmers along the way. Okay. So maybe not paying attention. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. No, Mm -hmm. I was distracted. There were plenty of other swimmers and other people eating lunch. So we weren't alone. So I was just at the table, head down 15 minutes. I'll go quick in 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, he's probably doing something else. But when it turned into 45 and into an hour, that's when I started thinking, this isn't, this isn't normal. Cause mm-hmm. now we're into an hour. Trent was the kind of guy that would have come back and said, Hey babe, I found something. I'm going to be a little longer. Cause he was so sensitive about that regarding me, not wanting me to be fearful mm-hmm. or afraid that something happened. So he would have come back, but he didn't. And mm-hmm. I think it was at that time. I remember having a really hard time breathing and just fear came mm-hmm. over me sure. and like I had never felt before. And I knew Eric at that moment, I honestly can tell you that I knew something had changed, something had shifted, something had gone really wrong at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do anything to change it except for to get up. I began to look out into the lagoon. I saw nothing. And I knew I'd have to see Trent at least every few moments coming up for breath, but I didn't see that. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started to panic. And I got on the phone, tried to call my family back at home. Nobody was available. Called in a dive team and said, would you please and come and search Mm -hmm. uh, for my husband? And they came. They began that search. And I even got in the boat with them and we began to circle this lagoon. And I mean, it was the most awful. When I look back at now, I mean, what God has brought me through, I just, I'm such a different person today. But when I, I can still look back and see that girl in that boat, Mm -hmm. just, you know, just feeling so desperate for, for God, uh, desperate for, for Trent, um, desperate for change, just hoping that this was going to be a different outcome than what I knew it was going to be. And um, and being in that place all by myself and mm. and all alone, I remember coming back from that boat and just the tears were just falling from my eyes. And I was just looking around and there was nobody there to pray with me or to hold me. I mean, people were basically just looking at this distraught girl mm. pacing around, just probably thinking they didn't know what to do with me. Um, but I went into this back room and I just began to lift up my hands. It was like... Like an automatic reflex, like we have practiced as believers, mm-hmm. people of faith. Like I practiced for this moment my whole life. I went back to youth group moments and thinking in my head, like like all the scriptures that I had memorized and, and the things that I've been told and the promises of God and he's near to the broken heart and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. I mean, everything just came on me like a flood at that moment. And I began to lift up my hands and... And uh, the only thing that would even come out of my mouth was just help me, God, Mm -hmm. just help me. And then I began to sing different praise songs. And they had everything to do with my life at that exact moment. And they were a lifeline that tied me to hope. Mm. You have told this story, like you said, way more than a thousand times. Mm -hmm. Uh, It still Mm. moves you. Do you sometimes wish the burden was off of you to not have to tell it or do you mm-hmm. like what is what comes up for you um it's so interesting because it still moves me i think it always will um because of the depth that i know of our of our relationship not just the love of my life but my best friend um mm-hmm. and and the fact that i had that 
one day and in a moment it was just gone. It mm. just, there's, I don't know if there's anything worse in life. Um, it's just stripped from you. It's gone. You mm. don't get a chance to say, I love you one more time. You, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't get any of that. And so I think that is just that impact of that blow is so deep. Mm. Um, and yet, Eric, I can tell you, being with you here today, I can tell you that I'm a healed woman, mm-hmm. that God has healed my life. Yeah. Um, and yet the tears, you know, people might confuse that. Then <laughs> why are you still moved? Um, the tears for me also are also what God has done in my life. I'm overwhelmed still of what God has done in my life, how he has rescued me, how he has redeemed me, how he has saved me, how he's provided for me, how he has loved me. Um how he called me even to this journey, mm-hmm. how he trusted me enough with it. It overwhelms me that uh, that he would do all of that for me. I don't feel like he took Trent from me. Um, I think God's bigger than that. So my the mystery has been for me to figure out, what do I do with all this, God, that you've entrusted me with? Mm-hmm. And that has been my road for the last 17 years of of trying to be faithful to that call. Is it hard for me to still share the story? It even through my tears, it's not. I think because it's so hopeful mm-hmm. for me. I know the heaviness. I know the darkness. I know the hurt and the pain. And I'm just one girl. So when I'm standing on that platform and I look out and I see whether it's 200 girls at a small event or 2,000 at a Women of Faith where I was, it. I know that there's plenty of women, if not every single one of them. They first of all have their own story, but also every one of them has their own journey of pain that they've that they've traveled, their own struggle, their own breakthrough that they're praying for, and I know that they can relate. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my call is to get up and to speak life into them, to show them a girl that has come back to life, to give them a story that you can't give up, that you can't quit, that you got to keep marching around that wall of Jericho, that your Mm -hmm. breakthrough is going to come, and that God keeps his word, and he's still for you, and he loves you, and he's faithful, and he's committed that his intention is to always bring wholeness in our lives, not to take from us, but to bring increase. Mm -hmm. And so I've been a bit of a poster child child probably for hope. And I take that call really seriously, and I'm grateful for it. It definitely still moves me when I share the story, but it is worth it all for me. By the time my head hits the pill at the end of the night and I go, man, look at what God did, not look what I did, Mm -hmm. because in myself, I will fail every time. Remember, we go back to that initial, your voice. I don't feel like I've got a great big voice to, to share with somebody, but I can put my head on a pill and say, look what God did. He used everything. I, I left nothing Exhausted. out. I, exactly. I laid it all on the floor. I gave him everything I had, whether it was through my dancing, my singing, my praising, my worshiping, my crying, my shouting. But here it is. Here is God in all his amazing splendor. Do you want it or don't you? Mm-hmm. And all I have to do, all he said is just present it, Tammy. And mm-hmm. then that's it. Yeah. Just show up. Just do it. And so I get on a plane and head to the next event and do it again. And he gives me just what I need. And and there's so many great stories in all of it that that know, to answer your question, it's not hard for me to share the story of hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was, you know, the next day was September 11th, 2001. Yes. At the same time, you see all this stuff going on. You hear that, okay, it's confirmed that Trent, they found Trent. Yep. And, um, you would never be the same. Uh, your, your life would, would take a completely different path. Um, so, you know, I, I have, um, I've just often wondered, you know, what, what, what were you, were there times that you were just 
angry mm. uh, at God, uh, angry at your predicament. You know, why me? I'm sure that had to. Mm. That had to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, you I know, know, I don't know that I ever said why me, which is interesting. But I've definitely gotten angry with God. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was angry with God. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I still go through things. You know, yeah. I uh, for real. Like, um, you know, I, what I were you have, angry at God about yesterday? You know, no, yeah. <laughs> okay, let me tell know. you. No, but for, I would tell you that there's because they're so random. I do, yeah. I do so good for so long, and then it's like little things that trigger. I was shooting a promo video, and I had to take over some some tapes that she wanted me to bring over. My friend, some tapes of of Trent and I, uh, that he, he had done a lot of filming, uh, before he died. And I, that's one thing I've never been able to look at. I've not been able to go through our videos yet, but a lot of it's because they recorded on a really weird machine and Mm -hmm. I don't have the machine that works anymore. So I can't plug them in and watch. So I've just thought one day I'll put it off, but she said, bring them. We have the machine. Let's look at them. So she put in the, the video of our honeymoon and I'm seeing Trent for the first time. Right. And I'm hearing him talk and I just lost it. Yeah. But then I started to laugh because he was like doing something stupid. I'm like, Oh my Lord, you're so dumb. And so <laughs> we're laughing and which was good for me to laugh. And then I went home and uh, I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning because I was looking for a power cord to that. While I was looking for the power cord, I came across a bag of our letters and our cards to each other. Mm-hmm. So I sat on the floor of the guest bedroom and I just started reading them all. And a bunch of them were Valentine's Day cards. Mm-hmm. And, and I just was weeping. And this was and, yesterday. Yeah. Well, this was oh, on this was Saturday night. Okay. Saturday Valentine's night. Valentine's coming up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I am weeping and I'm crying and I'm just like, oh gosh. And I, and I crawl into bed and, I, and I'm, just, I'm still having a hard time. And I'm just, um, I'm talking to Jesus and I'm just, I'm not angry at that point, but I'm just all the thoughts and memories. So I go to bed, get up, go to church come home and I'm in our office doing something and I'm at a desk and it's got a key on it and I'm trying to turn this key and it's stuck and it won't go and I I, I push it so hard that the key breaks inside the lock. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I've got to figure out how to get that little piece of key out. I Google, I YouTube, I do everything. I grab my little pliers, my scissors, like everything I have, the safety pin, the whatever. I go down there. Eric, I was down there in that room on the floor underneath the desk for an hour trying to get this thing out. <laughs> 10 minutes into it, I am screaming. I'm yelling. I am angry. I am crying my eyes out like, God, why can't you help me with this? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I passed big tests and I now I'm here and Trent's not here. And I think because of all that I had seen and heard and read the night before, I was reminded in that moment that you're alone. Mm-hmm. Trent's not here. Yeah, it it hurt. It, it brought up the, the totally. That, that and I lost it and I felt angry and I found myself just being angry mm-hmm. and and directing some of it at God. Like, I'm mad. I hate this. I, I still hate this after all this time. And, you know, I'm just, and I'd get up and I'm, I'm also the kind of girl that after a while I pull myself together. My makeup's now running all over my face. So I <laughs> clean my face off and I lay by the fire and I'm like, it's, it's, you know what? It's not the end of, of the world. Like you never even need that lock anyway. It's not a big deal. Let it go. Okay. I'm good. I can breathe. This is good. And then maybe a half hour go by and I'm like, but wait a second, there's got to be a way to get that out. So I YouTube again. <laughs> and then I do it all over again. Yeah. I go in there for an hour. I cry and I scream. And really? I, I, Eric, Make up again? I did it three times. I, and I know did you that fix was, the lock? I never did. I never did. Come on. And the truth is, I, I don't need it. And that's right. the thing. God's like, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm-hmm. You don't, we have other things to be doing. Yeah. But isn't that like us? Sometimes yeah. we keep going back to those same things and even those same wounds in our lives. And we want to pull back that to Band-Aid to see, has it? healed? Has it changed? And, you know, it's time to move on past those things. And God was just saying, stop, 
stop. It's 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 frivolous. It's not important. And stop getting angry with me for something you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So you have not remarried. No. Uh. You have you. Have you had any relationship? I what, have. What, what has you're so nosy? I'm nosy. This is coffee time talk. I love it. Let's get love, let's get into the juicy let's stuff. Talk about no. this. I love um, it. No, I just I'm just curious. Yeah, everybody know? is. You know, I mean, I think that seems to be like the redemption story. She married again. She had a child. And Maybe happy. And I think you know, I think that would be a normal, natural feeling. Uh, it's amazing though that I never get that question from my family. Which I'm so grateful for. They mm. never push me to to be in a relationship, to be married. I think a lot of it's because they also know what I had. Yeah, it was so rich. It was so full. It's kind of one of those things where we have a lot of cups in our lives, and some are empty, some are full. And that cup of love and relationship was so full for me that I just kind of put it on the mantle and have a whole I, lot of other yeah. empty things. I think the thing about Trent, he is the perfect guy. <sighs> the way you present him, mm. I'm sure he wasn't. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. No, he he left the toilet seat up. <laughs> see what i'm talking about right. like that's the worst thing you can come up with yeah. then then that like i can imagine any man mm. coming into mm. your life and thinking mm. i'm i'm never gonna live up wow, to this, wow. this man so wow. but you know what eric there has had to be healing in my life for me not to also uh compare Mm-hmm. And it would never be fair to somebody right. walking into my life, never. So I knew that I had to be whole. Because if I'm totally broken and then I get into a relationship with somebody and then I bring brokenness into it, oh yeah. my gosh, we are going to be a mess. So I knew early on, like, first of all, I've got to heal, really heal through this um, so that when I'm ready for another relationship, I also won't compare. Because I know I'll never find another trend, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to find something even better. Right. And, and I say that in a way of God saying, I, I've got great things for you. Mm-hmm. And by better, it could just mean different. It's right. just a different thing. So right. I'm not so locked into this box of like, oh, I'll never, so I'm not going to open up myself. Man, I love love. I love mm-hmm. being in love. And I did date a guy about seven years ago. I remember. Yes, I met him I on a plane. I happened to run into you guys at the iPhone you store, did. AT&T you did. store. And I was like, oh, Okay. You okay, did cool. me. Yes, it was really, really good. It taught me so much about myself uh, in that short time. I dated him for six months. But the biggest issue for me was that he was very young. He was really, really mm. young. I was super, super flattered. But I just felt like, you know, <laughs> it's going to be hard dating a 12-year-old. You know? <laughs> It's, it's gonna be really hard. He still lives at home and doesn't have a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we need to really this look at tough. this. Yeah. But no, he was 17 years younger than me at the time. Wow. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. So we met. You know, we met on a plane, and um, on the same plane coming back from South Africa. Uh, 12 days later, he was on that same flight, and oh, he wow. he switched okay. seats with the guy sitting next to me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Was Anita on this? Anita was too. Yeah. Was this that silly video you guys did that got like a million views? No, where you this guys was before. Are yourselves up <laughs> that that, that was flight? a video before this one. Okay. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. You guys are so funny. We are so dumb, but <clears throat> yeah. So I met him there, and and he just he didn't live in Nashville, but he had come from the same church background I did. So I was thinking, God, you're so humorous <laughs> to bring this guy in my life that's so much younger. Maybe this is that different that we're talking about, you know? Yeah. So I thought, let me just be open to this. This is so crazy. And I was, but you know, after I was open to it, and after a few weeks, he was he was settled in his mind. I am marrying you, hmm. and I don't blame him. <laughs> right, right, I, right. I mean, you know, look at you know, look at his options. So, <laughs> so he called you mama. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's what sealed the deal for me. I feel terrible. I'm sorry. I hope he never listens to this and we'll never mention his name. I know. He's honestly a great guy. And, yeah. and I told him, like, look, you know, when I got to a point of realizing I can't continue the relationship and giving him a false hope, um, I just I knew I would struggle with the age my whole life. And it wasn't fair for me to. I've lived a life and I, I deserve to not struggle with wrinkles and getting older and Mm-hmm. All that jazz. And, you know, I just said, nothing lost, only gained. I mean, look at what God has taught both of us. He ended up moving to Nashville. Um, I broke up with him first, but he moved to Nashville mm-hmm. anyway. And you know what? To this day, he's married. He has a little baby, and he's so happy. I've run into him a few times, and it's so neat to be able to look at each other and just go, man, you are right where God called you to be. Right. And you would have missed God. You thought I was God's will for your life, but mm-hmm. he was ready to not have children, yeah. to give all of that up mm-hmm. for me. But I said to him, look, Look at where you're at in your life. Like, I have no doubt that this was God's will for you. You have a beautiful baby and a beautiful wife. And he just said, can I hug you? And I said, yes. And it's <laughs> so it's so good to look at that and see, like, you know, God used that to teach me that I wasn't stuck, mm-hmm. that I could love again. I never compared him once to Trent. So it really taught me that I'm ready for love, but it's got to be the right thing. I will never settle. It's got to be the right thing. So... That's kind of the place I'm at. Eric, after all these years, I actually am in a more open place than I've ever been um, to find, not even to find, because that means I'm looking and I'm not looking, but I'm open to um, to love again in a mm-hmm. different way. I don't even know what that looks like, um, but God has also asked me for a certain time alone right now. Mm-hmm. And he's given me a date that's very specific. And so I, the, the last few months have been a different purging for me and uh, a really, really good place. So I don't know if he's using this to prepare me for something or someone, mm-hmm. um, but I'm ready for the next adventure. It's an adventure. I want to kiss. Living with <laughs> I want to kiss. <laughs> That's all I want. I don't ask for much. <laughs> I just, I live a simple life. I'm a simple woman. I just want to kiss. <laughs> well, thanks for clarifying. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so tell me if, if you could give advice, you know, someone that has been through tragedy or something incredibly difficult and they're wounded, what, what do you tell someone? What, what would be one thing that you absolutely have to do or two things that you did that really helped you mm. to heal mm. and to move on and to feel whole? Mm. I really... Um surrounded myself immediately with really good friends. And I didn't want to spend too much time alone. I was too afraid that I may go into a bit of a pit or a hole or feel depressed or start dealing with that. So instead of closing my door and just saying, I can't do this, and I felt all of those things on some level, uh, I knew the danger of, of isolating myself. So I began to open up my home to uh, girls' nights out, like once a month, and I would invite 15, 20 girls, some I didn't know, I would say, bring a friend, whatever, a lot of single girls, and they came to my home, and we would play games, watch movies, I'd make them dinner, we'd pool parties, we'd hang out, and it was a great season for me to to love someone else. I took my eyes off of myself Mm -hmm. and put it on the needs of other people, which was really healing for me to also nurture and to love and to give. Um, it re- that brought so much healing in my life. It seems so simple, but it was huge. And I bought a membership at the gym, and I started going to the gym every night when when the sun would fall, and it was maybe six o'clock at night during the winter months, and it was dark. 
that's when it hit me the hardest. Mm-hmm. It hits us all the hardest. I couldn't see beyond the windows and yeah. and every my pain was more in my face. And I said, nope, I'm going to change the atmosphere of this. So I packed my bags and I would go up to the gym and I literally would be there for two or three hours. I'd actually work out. I'd go in the sauna, the jacuzzi. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many appointments God set up for me talking to other people, sitting oh. in a sauna. Mm-hmm. So, hey, my name is so-and-so. Richard. I'm Tammy. And I'm not a big talker where I'm like, hi, I want to tell you my story. <laughs> I'm very to myself. Right. <laughs> but when someone starts asking me certain things, I'm like, you know what? I need to open up and tell them. Mm-hmm. So I use those times to just begin to share my story even early on. So friendships were massive for me. I'm a girl that always tries to plan something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So that has always, the adventure of life, I've kind of married adventure now. So I plan a trip. Okay, I'm going to go to Copenhagen. I'm going to take my best friend to Denmark. We're going to go to Copenhagen and that's going to be in a month. Okay, so I had that to look forward to. So when I had some tough days and whatever, I kept, I'd kind of come out of that and go, but you have something to look forward to after Copenhagen. We're going to go to Paris. You want to go to Paris next month? Okay. She's like, I'm all in. You paying for it? Yeah, this is Anita. Anita. Yeah, the girl who works for me. Man, what a lucky girl. She has had the life. I know. When she sasses me, I'm like, girl, do you remember London, Paris, Singapore, (laughs) South Africa, Spain? (laughs) The list goes on. Yeah, but you know, God brought this girl into my life right after Trent passed and and I asked her to help me with some things in the office, and she did. And when I started to travel with the women of faith, I needed help. So I said, look, you know, would you come and travel with me? I'll teach you all you need to know. And she said, okay, it'll be fun. And I just said, look, I don't need a record company. I don't need a booking agent. I just need a friend. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm all in. <clears throat> and that's when this young lady started working for me. And it's been, I think, 16 years that she's worked for me. Yeah. And has truly, she's like my sister. She's my best friend. And we've traveled the world. We we laugh. She's my laughing buddy. She laughs so easily. She's super laid back, super easy. And it's such a gift from God. And she got married like I think it's been almost three years for three her. Three years, yeah, yep. going on three, and it's mm-hmm. been so amazing to watch that. And the way he loves her is so awesome for me as her friend to look back in, at that and just go, "Man, I just I love watching the way he covers you and loves you. Yeah, you deserve that. Yeah, yeah, it's so. good. It's I mean, we worked to, you and I <clears throat> worked together for a short bit. Yeah, um, when I was doing my international licensing uh, and distribution, and I got to know Anita, and I just. Fell in love with you guys oh. right away, and uh, you were a great team, and all, and still are mm. a great team. And uh, I'm happy to see her, yeah, um, venture into totally. a new phase of life too. Totally, um, and be open to marriage because she was yeah. the girl that had a single life that was really good. Yeah, so there's a lot of girls that might even be listening to this too that have single lives, and you you know you're real happy with that. But she had to ask God to uh, in obedience, like to to open up my heart to this Lord. If you mm-hmm. want me to be married and um, I need to be open to this. So mm-hmm. she was and, and met him and, and you know, the rest is, is history there. But, you know, if, if people also on the other end are just are in that place where you say where they're just, life is heavy and they feel broken and they feel stuck and you wonder if God is listening, you just wonder in your own circumstances if, if you're not alone because you feel alone, um, where is God in this with me anymore? Does he see me? Is my pain relevant? And I would tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is committed to you, your circumstances, the things that are surrounding you right now that is taking your breath away, that God is breathing in your direction, that you can never interpret your numbness as God's absence in your life. That would be one of the greatest things I could tell you right now that even though you feel numb, do not think for one moment that God has left He's in the middle of this with you, and he's for you, and he is capable of bringing wholeness and healing into your life. 
it's hard when we look at certain people and situations and we think, man, they just got through that so quickly, but I've been sitting in this for months. Will I ever find my own breakthrough? Will I ever find my own peace? And I know it sounds cliche to say, don't give up, keep believing, keep praying. But we have to. Because the moment we decide to give up, you might not have any idea how close to the victory you really have come. Mm. So hang in there another day, another week, another year, another month, whatever it takes. Your journey is very individual. God is very individual in your life. He sees you right now. He sees every detail right now. And he also sees the end result. And he will always, always, always get you to your final destination. Hold on and keep breathing. As she says with her eyes closed, knowing that that was a total ministry moment right there. Mm. <clears throat> and I thank you, Tammy Trent, mm. for, uh, for just being giving of yourself today and, and sharing mm-hmm. um, uh, what you felt the Lord saying to you, to someone. And the reason I, I know that it was a word for someone is, is um, there was a, uh, there's a, a woman that I know whose daughter uh, recently stepped in front of a train and killed herself. Um, mm. And it just moves me and breaks my heart. Those words right there are what she would have wanted to hear Mm. and uh, needed to hear at Mm. that moment. Um, And so don't uh, anyone listening, just Mm. (laughs) adhere to those words. Take those words to heart as words for you, because I believe those are words for someone Mm. today. Maybe someone, someone's daughter, someone's child. Um, someone that you're praying for, um, who's, who's battling depression or battling, um, some form of sadness and darkness, even, um, we want that to be removed. We want that Mm -hmm. to be released. And I want you to have something to look forward to. Yes. Um, so, because there's so much life to live and so much yes. to look forward to. Actually, it's the best of both worlds because you mm. get it here. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting after you pass away. Mm-hmm. There's so much life to live. You're exactly right. So, why not have two great things going Absolutely. on in your life than thinking that there's no hope in this one? Because totally. there is always hope in this one. Isn't always. There? Choose hope. Choose to live and live it well. Live it as big as you can. Mm-hmm. It's going to be disappointments. There's going to be hurts and failures. But um, but we always have hope. Mm-hmm. Hope is always available to us. And we mm-hmm. will always get through those things. I'm a testimony to tell you, you will get through. Yes. It, and that's the key word. It, it, you're going to get through it, not stuck. You'll get through it. Not yeah. somehow. But triumphantly. It's not just an average getting through. It's a full, abundant life ahead of you. It is. And I am telling you, that's what I am living. And Mm -hmm. I can't fake that. That would be exhausting to fake joy or to fake (laughs) abundant. I would just be like, ugh. But it's genuine for me. And that's why, Eric, I still get up on that platform every weekend and tell them. I want them to not just hear it. I want them to see it also. Mm. I'm so glad you didn't start a coffee shop. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Let's maybe wait a little maybe bit. Maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. Tammy, where can people find you? What are you working on musically, mm. creatively, um, mm. performing? Yeah. What, are you do- what are you doing right now? 
Well, TammyTrent.com is a great place to go to just feel connected if you want to. Um, all my events are there. The dates are there. You can find out more information on how you can come to one of the events. Um, I, I love that. I love hanging out with girlfriends. So much of what I do is women's conferences all across the country, and I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm right, my heart is right at home. Uh-huh. Um, the music is there. It's on iTunes as well. The books are there. They're probably Amazon and everywhere else you might go shop online. You can find, I've written two books, Learning to Breathe Again, Choosing Life and Finding Hope After a Shattering Loss and a devotional called Beyond the Sorrow, There's Hope in the Promises of God. And then, of course, The Log Family, <laughs> the book I like to say I wrote with Trent. <laughs> but it's all there, and you can you know, you know, can connect with me through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, all that good stuff. But um, I'm just so grateful to have an opportunity to share my life with anybody. So mm-hmm. thank, thank you so much, Eric, for this time. I really mm-hmm. loved it. You're welcome. Oh, thank you for coming. It's uh, totally my pleasure oh, to have you. you on and share your story. It's way better than blew my expectations away so so glad um let's make sure we take a selfie before yes, we finish very important and i've got a shirt for you Yay. um and we're gonna finish this up Sounds and great. um guys uh go to tammytrent.com you need to get connected um she's really fun on instagram <laughs> she's always been a social media girl um even me i mean i just kind of giggle at some of these silly things <laughs> They were doing selfies before selfies were really a thing uh, in the mirror. I don't know if this is a girl thing. Guys would never do this. Oh, yeah. But um, it's good. It's good. I'm glad you have a, a way of expressing Very yourselves. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tammy Trent, thanks for coming on The Courage Cast. Yeah.